Good evening, and welcome to TSC's nightly report. Today, the Shield Corporation, the world's largest private company, was accused of monopoly and price fixing. Alan Naiman, president of TSC, was unavailable for comment. At its regular monthly report, the Shield Corporation announced record profits for its fiscal year in November 2024. And now for the weather. The temperature 97, with humidity constant at 97. No rain, no clouds, no thunder, no lightning, no nothing. As usual, under the shield. Zeist! <laughs> Freeman of Zeist, hear me! Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. And boy, oh boy, we have been waiting a long time to tackle this. This is our very special Highlander 2 The Quickening series. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon, shitheads. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys excited to tackle this movie? I'm something to talk about this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we might have some new listeners that are tuning in for this particular episode or series of episodes. Uh, so we should let you know a little bit about what we do on this Highlander podcast. Uh, so normally we tackle these series because there's like almost 120 episodes of it. So there's a lot to talk about. We talk about it each and every week in detail. But we also talk about other facets of the Highlander universe, including the movies, uh, which is what's started at all so we did a seven part series on the first movie and we went deep into all the ins and outs the trivia the meaning of it deep cuts deep cuts yeah deep so cuts. um we thought uh if anyone out there has not seen the original highlander and kind of just knows of highlander 2 as like a classic bad movie like it always makes lists of like the worst movies of all time or worst sequels like this is on there all the time yeah, and it's like important to note that this movie does nothing to remind you or really establish what happened last time. No. And I don't know, guys, is it more or less confusing if you've seen the first movie? I think it's more confusing if you've I seen... absolutely agree. Yeah. I have so many more questions based on the connection between these two things than like if I just encountered this turd in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad either way. Let's get that out of the way. Oh, to be clear. Uh, as we're all Highlander fans, we've dedicated much of our lives to doing this podcast. And oh, don't, Let's try not to think about that too hard. <laughs> uh, but we, we all think Highlander is a worthwhile concept and a great franchise, and we love a lot of parts about it. So anyway, if you haven't seen the first Highlander, I think everyone should go back and check it out. Cause, like, that, that is it's a all, classic it's, movie. It's a great movie. It's cool. It's good stuff. So let's talk about what happens in the original Highlander movie. Like, if you were a Highlander fan in 1991 when this movie came out, and you were like, oh, I love the original Highlander movie that came out in 86. Like, I can't wait to go see this movie. What are you going in there expecting? What knowledge of the franchise do you have already? Well, there are immortal guys, and they're in a fight for the prize, where they all have to kill each other by cutting their heads off. The mantra of the movie is there can be only one. At the end of the movie, there is only one. There is. Right. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, so... The movie doesn't do a lot to explain who the immortals are, where they come from, and which is all like a, a positive. Like it's all this kind of just mysterious fantasy sort of thing where it's like there's these immortals and they have to kill each other. Who knows why, but it's exciting. And then, yeah, it, the movie ends with the hero of the movie, Connor McCloud, winning the day, defeating the very evil villain. Right. And he also, at the end of the movie, uh, he wins what's called the prize. And that's also a 
very nebulous thing in the movie. And at the end, it's kind of revealed that he can grow old and die for some reason now when he couldn't before. Right, because immortality is a curse, which is explored kind of in this movie. Yeah. It's one of the neat themes of it. It's like a vampire story. So he can grow old and die. He can have children. And I guess he has some kind of oneness with nature. He knows everything. He can read people's thoughts in some way. He's, he's got some kind of supernatural knowledge. Right. It's also very important to note, very important to note, that he meets in the context of this movie, for the first time as an apparently 18-year-old man, a teacher named Ramirez, played by Sean Connery, who teaches him what the rules of all this game are, and it introduces himself for the first time, and said teacher is dispatched by the movie's villain. Right. It's very, a very dead. Very much like the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi scenario. This, right. this character, Ramirez trains connor like gives him the magic sword right he gives him the magic sword the whole thing and then he's cut down by the villain the kurgan. of the movie. kurgan again it's a it's like a dickensian thing ramirez was dead to begin with yes. as dead as a door now that, that's yeah. a great that would be a great opening to this movie <laughs> yeah. this movie is also just like if you're a fan of the original highlander and you're like wait a minute they're making another highlander christopher lambert's in it sean connery's in it it's the same director most of the same writers, it's like you're going to be pumped to see this thing. Absolutely. So I can't as, imagine. As most of the European movie audience was, I'm yeah. sure. So this is just like the supreme disappointment <laughs> <laughs> that fans must have felt when this thing came out. And we should talk a little bit about like this. This movie definitely was a cult movie almost instantly. Like in America, it flopped. It did not do well. Uh there were different cuts of this, or not this movie, excuse me, the original Highlander. And I guess 20th Century Fox had the distribution rights, so they kind of butchered the movie. And they really stitched it up with the advertising. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. In some of the special features for this movie, they show it. It's actually kind of cool. The difference in advertisements between the U.S. release and the European release of the original Highlander. Yeah, let's, uh, why don't we take a listen, actually, and uh, check out those differences. And it was like a rock and roll concert. We came on stage with people screaming, running down the alleys, then the movie started, then we came back on stage afterwards, and I mean, it was a riot. Then I think it really hit us. We've been royally screwed by 20th Century Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that was uh, producers Bill Panzer and Peter Davis talking about how they were screwed by Fox and that uh, the reception in France was awesome. Yeah, Mm. and then at some point in the same feature russell mulcahy the director weighs in on the creepy creepy highlander ad and he's like he looked like a serial rapist yeah. <laughs> right yeah the uh, the ad in america was connor mcleod just staring at the camera and it was it's yeah just, a, it's not good yeah, grainy grainy sweaty picture it's, it's like weird. a mugshot it's, yeah, yeah it's weird very strange and it's got like a small white text that's hard to read it's like the worst graphic design i've ever seen <laughs> uh, where's the the, Fr- the french one it literally is just like here's like an eight foot tall like scottish man in a kilt this looks amazing like woo. so this movie didn't do well in america it was a big success overseas so a number of years later like five years later funding came in from the overseas markets and they were like we want a highlander sequel uh, so that's kind of where this all came from. Right. Uh, but of course, the first movie had a pretty finite ending. So the big challenge was how do we make a sequel to something that kind of didn't really warrant one? That was designed to be completely self-contained. The burdens of giving birth to a franchise are, I think, quite heavy. Because it seems to me that you must be true to the strength of the characters that you have created and the circumstances in which those characters are operating. 
it's vital that they continue to work. And also, like, the producers wanted Sean Connery in, like, a major role in the movie. Again. Yeah, it's like he has to be in there. The, he's the backers the wanted him in it. Right. Yeah. Makes no sense. None of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought we could kind of maybe paint a little picture of, like, what the time period was like. We were all pretty young. I was myself seven years old and in, like, first grade when this movie came out. Wow. Uh, I, I was three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think we were probably in first grade as well. Yeah. Um, but just to kind of paint a picture of like the climate that this movie came out in. Well, I guess the Gulf War was ending. The first Gulf War, that is, for those younger listeners that don't remember. Uh, but also the, the, the birth the storm of, of the desert. Yes. Uh, the birth of the Internet happened in 1991. Was that, that the year Al Gore created it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. To the, the, the World Wide Web, oh, as we right. uh, know it. And so that's a, a pretty momentous occasion. And the other big uh, event at the time was the collapse of the Soviet Union. Hmm. Which is big stuff. So big things happening in the world. And I think uh, like the original Highlander movie definitely has a lot of Cold War overtones. And I, I think in a lot of early 1990s cinema, you can see kind of a shift in the way things are portrayed. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time, I think, in especially American cinema. Yeah. So... Yeah, so this like movie's an entire parable about the fall of the Berwyn Wall. Uh, oh boy, it isn't. It's not that. Oh, that's a good way to think about this, though. I like it. Now that the shield is the Berlin Wall, the shield little... is the Berlin Wall. Wow. We've re- we're breaking this case wide open. Oh man, <laughs> bring down that wall. And like you know, he used to be a freedom fighter, fighting that's against, true. fighting for the freedom of Zeist. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, but... we are. Uh, other things that were happening uh, at the time, just to paint the picture. Uh, the cost of gas was a dollar twelve a gallon. A pound of bacon cost dollar ninety five, and a dozen eggs were only eighty five cents. And of course, the American public were listening to bands like Nirvana, Teen Spirit. Yeah, man, is that what it smells like in here? Other popular songs that week were like Mariah Carey's "Emotions" or Prince's "Cream." Uh, other big uh, acts would be like the rise of uh, like Pearl Jam, uh, the grunge scene. Grunge. Starbucks? Yep. Michael Jackson's Black and White came out in 1991. I it don't matter. <laughs> uh, That's a, a lot more popular than his unknown yeah. his, his unknown version. It really does matter if you're black or white. It matters if you're black or white. <laughs> There's a backlash against that. Yeah, that one wasn't so popular. <laughs> Let's talk about the people that made this movie. In our normal uh, episodes, we always kind of do a little IMDb recap of everybody. So oh, we should do we have about... an IMDb recap of the movie? <laughs> oh, we do. Uh, so, uh, let's talk about the director first. This movie was directed by Russell Mulcahy. He directed the original Highlander movie, and he's mostly famed for being uh, an early MTV music director. Music director? Music video director. Music video kind of inventing director. the genre. Right. Yeah, of music. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, adventure of music, Russell Mulcahy. That's right. And one interesting thing about him is he tried to get his name removed from this movie and yeah. replaced with the pseudonym Alan Smithy. This is like the universal code for, I don't want to be associated with this picture. Yeah. I was doing some research on Alan Smithy. Apparently, it's not a pseudonym that's used anymore. I didn't know that. The Wikipedia article said they stopped in 2000 allowing people to do it. I guess like the Writers Guild of America or Directors Guild said like no more. You got to eat it. Yeah, I guess so. Damn. So Uh, there's some other famous Alan Smithy movies. Well, one of the most famous is Dune by David Lynch. Oh. Which is, I have a... I would say a love-hate relationship with that movie, but it's like, I love David Lynch to the core, and that movie's mm. kind of a mess. Yeah, it uh, is. Much like this movie, in a way that, like, I don't think Russell McKay is a bad director, but things go wrong at every turn. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of that's outside of his control, which yes. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Absolutely. Yeah. An interesting absence in this movie is Greg Wyden, who wrote the original screenplay for Highlander. And is the creator of the original concept. Yeah. 
who wrote this screenplay as a college student. Yeah. For the original Highlander. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was not involved in the sequel. I don't know if he was ever asked. Maybe we should try to ask him. Oh, that. that's an interesting question. Like if he just didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, I know he hasn't really had any involvement in Highlander yeah. since. Boy, is he missed in this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's very clear because also the, well, we're about to talk about Peter Bellwood wrote the screenplay along with producer Bill Panzer. And he also wrote the screenplay for the original Highlander. Like they right. took Greg Wine's original script and then I guess Peter Bellwood essentially doctored it. And, you know, there's a lot of rewrite rights as these things go along. But it's really apparent how good Greg Wine's concept and script was. Yeah. Because Peter Bellwood on his own is not, not hitting any home yeah. runs with this. Like, it is atrocious. Well, there are, like, tons of, like, jokes and, like, funny, and I put the, that in air quotes. He didn't actually, because he's got a cup of coffee in his hands, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> the spirit was there. Don't don't lift the curtain, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we watched an interview with Bellwood before where he was, like, oh, saying, yeah. it's important, I think, that there are, like, there's humor in movies and right. we were kind of like really like in all movies all movies need humor like yeah. and i think he did that to the hilt in this movie i think bill panzer and him must have been friends as well peter bellwood wrote the screenplay for bill panzer's previous movie saint helens starring art carney Ooh. and so i've never seen it art carney of the star wars holiday special yes of that wow. <laughs> of that of that fame also it's kind of weird this guy peter bellwood like highlander and Highlander 2 were, like, big movies. I mean, like, they spent money on these movies. A lot of money on this movie. He has, like, barely worked outside of this. So, like, I don't know how he met Bill Pant, like, how his career really got started. Like, he's written two episodes of La Femme Nikita, Ooh. the TV show, in 97. He wrote a movie in 2002 called Malevolent, starring Lou Diamond Phillips as a framed cop. And he also wrote recently a short film called Monster Butler. <laughs> <laughs> which i will read the imdb description for because we always right like now, to get deep into this uh the true story of serial killing con man roy fontaine who cut a bloody swath through england and scotland hiring himself out as a butler robbing his employees and in some cases murdering them hmm. his killing spree included his hated illegitimate brother and five other people before he was finally arrested and sentenced to prison for life that IMDb description is written by Peter Bellwood. <laughs> well, well, good job. Yep. I thought it was a biopic about the Adams Family Butler Lurch. Lurch. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just a biopic of their counterparts in the Munsters. <laughs> <laughs> so who's in this movie, guys? Christopher Lambert. That's right. Back, baby. <laughs> As Connor McLeod. I guess his name is also Connor McLeod on the planet on Zeist. On the planet Zeist. <laughs> Does it make sense? In between Highlander and this, he did the movie Why Me, which I've really wanted to see. And that's with like Christopher Lloyd. Oh and it's my like, God. A, like a, a goofy detective movie or is it a, i think it's a goofy a heist, heist movie. movie and that yeah. was written and directed by the guy who did like all the police academy sequels <laughs> <laughs> the mark of quality sean connery's back paid even more money for a, even less work a cartoonish amount of money I, what was it three three point, million dollars or is it more than three i, I thought, thought it was 3.9 oh no i had three okay but, let's go with three yeah i don't know that's whatever. a lot of money yeah for yeah. six days of work i think it might have even been less that's astonishing that's just a criminal. So another thing was, I've read that Christopher Lambert did not want to do this movie unless Connery did it. Because they had such a good relationship 
from doing right the first that they're movie. like best friends in the six days that they shot together in the last movie for a million dollars bringing sean connery back makes no sense it's like baffling yeah because again he gets killed in the first movie <laughs> dead uh, as a doornail my notes here say connery received 3.5 million for nine days of filming and he used he donated all his money to charity which is hmm. good no, uh, yeah, but yeah. it also says that christopher lambert took all his money and invested it with some Argentinian businessmen who were running some sort of like Ponzi scheme, and he lost all of it. What? <laughs> that's good. Maybe that's why everybody looks back in this <laughs> poorly. Christopher Lambert, what's he up to recently? We've seen him in Hail, Hail Caesar, Caesar, which is a very good movie by the Coen brothers. But very recently, here's a new thing. We got to watch this, guys. He's been in a movie called The Broken Key. It's an Italian finance movie. Here's the IMDb description of this jam. In the near future, due to the effects of an uncompromising law on the eco-sustainability of supports, paper has become a rare item, a luxury possession, controlled by the Big Z, Zimmerg Corporation. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it also starts... Zimmerg Bill- Corporation. <laughs> it it also a- starts Billy Baldwin that's- and Michael Madsen, so... Oh, that's there, like my favorite faction in yeah. StarCraft, so... So, speaking of Madsons... Virginia Madsen. Madsen. Michael Madsen's sister's in this movie. Oh. Also, speaking of other movies with uh, Alan Smithy directors, she was one of the stars of Dune in 1984. Wow. She, she can pick them. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> she does a good job, though. She's a swell looker. She's fine. Yeah, she's a does swell she do looker. A good job? I don't know. I don't, she does. I don't think she's awful. I mean, like, I, I can look at is. Christopher Lambert in this movie and go, not doing a good job. Like, <laughs> I don't know. She's working hard. She's a good, good character actor. She's working hard with barely anything to work with. Uh, well, that's even, like, you got to separate those things. Because, like, you can only, the actor can only control so much. Mm. I think she's doing an okay <laughs> job with what she's working with. All right. And the first movie starred Clancy Brown as the villainous Kurgan. In this movie, we are treated to, well, I'll go out on a limb. Some people love Michael Ironsides. I will say... If Michael Ironsides is in a movie, I'm just like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> this, this movie will probably not be that good. I like Michael Ironsides. What? You're saying Karate Kid 4 is not a good movie? <laughs> uh. <laughs> what about Total Recall? <laughs> That's true. Or Skinner's. <laughs> I like Top Gun. All, like all these movies. Starship Troopers. I like Starship Troopers. I think he's perfect in Starship Troopers yeah. because that movie's like, like he's the sort of actor. And actually, I think Total Recall's okay too because Total Recall's Total Recall's amazing. Yeah, what, very, are, like, what are we talking about? Total Recall is like, but those are like very campy movies. I right. guess like Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Well, are they the same director? Is that yeah? Both? yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. I feel like his style, like he chews up the scenery. Like he feels sure. like a stage actor the way he's like so over the top. And, and just like his normal speaking voice sounds yeah. like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I just like, find him to be like so cartoonish that I feel like sometimes that his performances take me out of a movie. Maybe that's just me. I'll probably get a bunch of flack for this. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to respectfully disagree. Like, I remember when I but was just watching... like with Michael Einstein, you just know exactly what you're getting. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I remember watching uh, X-Men First Class. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. I, in general, actually, I like that movie a lot. And then, like, he's a very small part in it as, like, a captain of a navy vessel mm. and like the instant he shows up i was like oh no like, <laughs> i was like why is he in this movie what's his mutant power he did the voice of dark side on the dc animated universe that's true and it was great yeah across from clancy brown as lex luther that's right uh that's so cool. there's a pretty great quote from michael ironside about this movie let's mm. read it now yeah listen i hated the script we all did 
Me, Sean, Chris, we were all in it for the money on this one. I mean, it read as if it had been written by a 13-year-old boy, but I'd never played a barbarian swordsman before, and this was my first big evil mastermind type. I figured if I was going to do this stupid movie, I might as well have fun and go as far over the top as I possibly could. All that eye-rolling and foaming at the mouth was me deciding that if I was going to be in this piece-of-shit movie, I was going to be the most memorable fucking thing in it. (laughs) And I think I succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. He's working very hard in this movie. Also, he liked that he got to have hair in the movie. Right? He said he'd been bald since he was like really young like 20 something <laughs> uh, apparently uh clancy brown was brown was offered a cameo in this movie right i read that and said no no yeah. thanks well he was like gonna be an assassin sent to earth to like kill connor and that explains the first movie somehow 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 yeah. uh this movie also in a small part has uh, alan rich in it as alan Naiman. uh he's his buddy Another uh, great character actor. Yeah, he's in a bajillion TV shows. Uh, the thing I remember him recently in, he's the Holocaust survivor in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, oh God. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's an actual Holocaust survivor, and he gets in an argument with a guy who was on the TV show Holocaust. Or, oh, on the TV show Holocaust. On the TV show Highland, Highlander. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Say words. On the TV show Holocaust. <laughs> He plays a Holocaust seems- survivor who gets in an argument with a guy who was on the TV show Survivor on Who Had a Harder Time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's God. pretty funny. He seems drugged in this movie. <laughs> he like seems sedated. He's like performance is so like spaced out. And yeah, a, we- just a few other people in this movie. We got John C. McGinley. We all oh, know him. Doctor Cox. Doctor Cox is the v- sub villain in this movie. He's I like guess. he's the, the he's the B villain. Yeah, yeah he's the, the B plot villain. The eighties. Mm-hmm. Like, even though this isn't an 80s movie, like the 80s businessman bad guy. Yeah, with the slick back hair. And the awful, awful 90s suits. Yes. Oh, yeah. God. His suits drive me insane in this movie. Yeah. Doctor, it's, a, he, it's like watching a bad episode of The West Wing. He is my favorite part of this movie, by far. Your John, John's favorite part? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, I like as much as Michael Ironside says he, like, hams it up, and he does, I love the way John C. McKinley acts in this like he's so ridiculous like he cackles all the time he's he's absurd oh i'm done with yo yeah <laughs> it's so weird well we should talk about this later but which what which plot in this movie is the b plot <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to that but very we, as we were trying to decide who's the real villain of this movie <laughs> and then finally two people pete aniko as corda Ugh. and peter bacosi as reno Boo. and these guys are like not really actors they're stuntmen and stunt coordinators who have done work on like a ton of great stuff hmm. the guy pete who plays corda like he did stunt coordination on last action hero the rock Ooh. pearl Ooh. harbor uh, uh the new teenage mutant ninja turtles movie mm. wait uh, i thought you said great stuff oh man well that's like they <laughs> hey, big stunts. Uh, and then the other guy did stunts on spider-man men in black 2 catch me if you can captain america independence day oh that huh? guy got the good stuff yeah no, it's crazy. Like none of them, neither of them did stunts on this movie. They just were actors who, like, they didn't do the stunt coordination. What? Which is really weird. <laughs> they probably they... should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, do I hate those two characters. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, and then finally, we should just mention that Stuart Copeland of the Police did the music. Is the music the best part of this movie? I do not like the music. <laughs> so I didn't notice it, but I recognize the names. That his name Copeland, and I was like, "What?" Were you thinking of Aaron Copeland? <laughs> Aaron Copeland. Right? <laughs> I was uh, thinking of the Stallone movie Copeland. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, our one of our favorite segments on the show is when we read the IMDb episode description. This one's a treat. Ooh. In the future. 
Highlander Connor McLeod must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti-ozone shield. Huh? Anti-ozone <laughs> shield? What does that mean? I don't know. That's it's, it. That means it's something that's protecting us from ozone. Wait, okay, read that one more time. <laughs> In the future, Highlander Connor McLeod must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti-ozone shield. That's not what the movie's about. <laughs> no, it isn't. Well, I guess, does this answer is what the a, or plot, the a or B plot is? I guess. I guess the ozone thing's the A plot? Yep. So nature is the villain of this movie. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Zeist. <laughs> this movie has two taglines, which they do not let you forget about the entire oh, fucking time. Uh, and it's it's a kind of magic. The, oh my god! There's only one. There's really only one joke in this movie, and it's yeah. a permutation of it's it's a kind of magic. And then the other yeah. tagline was, "It's time for a new kind of magic." Ooh, Ugh. that's terrible. Connor says it's a kind of magic in the first movie once. It's one like time. it's practically a throwaway line, yeah. and I feel like the line. Has become more popular because Queen... it's said twice in that movie. Is it? Yeah, he says it to Rachel then when yeah. he saves her as a small child. Right. Connery, oh. Connery initially says it when he's explaining the game. No, isn't it? I think he says it to Rachel both times. I don't think Connery ever says it's kind of magic. I don't remember. I don't remember because I think that's like the link between the two. Because I think he says it when he wakes up and after he saves her in World War II. Yes, he says. And she's like, "Oh, how'd that happen?" And he's like, "It's kind of magic." And then when he's like saying his final goodbye to her on the elevator. Oh, you're right. He's like, oh, it's kind of magic. You're right. So that's like a link just for those characters. But anyway, I It's not like that big of a line where it needs to be said 72,000 times in this movie. No. (laughs) It's a lot. All right, guys. Are we ready to talk about this movie? Should we be... We should be clear that there are multiple cuts of this movie and which one we're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. We did not even address this. We need to (laughs) hang a lantern on that in a big way. Okay. So we got to talk more about the history of this movie before we talk about... I know you're probably sick of this after... 29 minutes <laughs> we got to right. talk about the history of this so the movie this is how this went the movie got taken over it was being filmed in argentina and it got taken over by the bond company yeah uh because it was running over budget and it's because argentina's were, economy was collapsing yeah and <laughs> and we're also at war with england at the time right <laughs> over the falcon islands the british empire being at stake for what three rocks Give it back. Give the rocks to the Argentinian. Who cares? There's nothing on these rocks. Not even a penguin. Fun. Fun, yes. Yeah. Uh, so they also, like, they decided, the, the movie had a budget of $30 million, and they decided... Which is an insane amount of money. Yeah. Yes, that is a lot of money. They decided it would be about, like, what was it, like 30% cheaper or something to film in Argentina as opposed to Hollywood, so they could get some, like... More bang for their buck. But I guess they did not anticipate that, you know, when you go to a country that does not have, like, the infrastructure of the Hollywood movie-making machine. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, which is, like, a, a whole self-sustaining industry in Hollywood right. full of, like, professionals and items that are expensive but available on demand. Right. So, like, the costume designer, like, is interviewed and she says, like, we'd have to go to, like, thrift shops and all these places and, like, to get props and all this stuff. And it's, like, this is all available in warehouses to rent in L.A. Easily. And, like, they had to ship a ton of stuff down from America, like lighting and all this stuff because they didn't really have all the equipment in Argentina. And all the scaffolding was secondhand. (laughs) Apparently from, like, other countries. It was very rickety. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and, like, also the crews were not, like, used to, like, American shooting schedules. And, like, the whole thing just sounded like an unmitigated disaster from top to bottom. Yeah. So the Bond company eventually, like, shut down the picture and was like, we're taking over. The whole movie was not finished being filmed. Which is 
Evident. Uh, yeah. So they take the movie back. They recut it themselves. Uh, like, there's big debate on, like, who's allowed in the cutting room. Russell really was not allowed to do anything. Like, he kind of lost control of this big time. Uh, and I think so did the producers, really. Um, yeah. So it was just about, like, churning this thing out and mm-hmm. we'll recoup our money. Luckily, um, I guess a, a British company stepped in and so the the version that got released in the uk is not the the release that we saw here in america peter davis and bill panzer actually put up like their own money to shoot a new ending which was their intended ending and we'll talk about that later Mm. Uh, but that's the version that got seen that's the only way you ever saw what will be known as the fairy tale ending. the fairy tale ending (laughs) so yeah we got this bizarre chopped up american cut similar to what happened with the original highlander britain got a slightly better version Uh, but yeah it really it's not a a finished movie and so then years later russell mckay came in four years later yeah uh and he did a laser disc edition of it which was called the renegade version uh which i don't understand why it's called that russell's a renegade i guess so and he's like blazing his own trail redoing highlander 2 yeah badass he recuts the movie uh add some new scenes uh and the big change is they changed all the mentions of zeist which is the alien planet these immortals will come from in this movie right. oh boy <laughs> <laughs> they changed that to make it a bizarre distant well, past in the past like a right. technologically advanced ancient civilization that has been forgotten Here's the other weird thing. This With some machine guns. Yeah. This movie's called Highlander 2, The Quickening. And in the, the Russell Mulcahy version, they never say The Quickening. They take out that subtitle. But in the movie, like, they never say it either. They maybe say it once, if that. It's insane. Really? Like, I, I remember Connery says I it. I thought Connery does say it. Because he does it when they're doing the little finger The jam. finger goop. I think they take it out. Interesting. I didn't notice that change. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's weird. That's even stranger still. <laughs> uh, so then a number of years even after that, in the, what, early 2000s, like 2003, maybe? Then they came up with another version, which was the Ultimate Edition or whatever. And Ooh. basically that was the Renegade version, for the most part. There's still a couple little changes, but with new special effects. They went back and redid basically every special effect in the movie, especially the shield effects, which desperately needed them. Desperately. Really what we're doing here is we're evening out everything and then we're adding to the movie inspirationally where we can really go well beyond where we even thought we could go in the original. The shield is now predominantly a 3D effect. 3D motion graphics didn't exist when we did this movie, not on a commercial level. So we cheated with a lot of, you know, real kind of liquid nitrogen and lasers and stuff. But now we can really control it, which will give it a tremendous amount more synthetic depth. What are we going to be talking about on this show? We decided we're going to talk about the original theatrical cut because I feel like that's what people saw. Like, if, if Highlander was going to get soured for people, that's the thing that maybe did it to them. Like, that has a very strong reputation uh, yeah. as really fucking this up yeah that and like i don't know i think you kind of get one bite at this apple you know you get to release a movie once and like the improvements in the other one are cool and we'll get into them and like their effect on the overall quality of the picture but you have a premiere and that's like that's the show right you like stick the landing or you don't right so we're gonna be talking about that and we're also going to be talking about the ultimate edition which is basically what that uk version was and the renegade version with updated i mean like that's kind of the best the ultimate edition is the best this movie is ever going to get right with what they did yeah uh and then the theatrical release is like the worst this movie is ever going to get yep uh so we're going to be comparing those two things like, frankly, it's amazing to think that it could have been worse. Like, if they hadn't gotten the additional funds to, like, help recut it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I'm like, you know, 
Well, we'll talk about this, but this isn't a good movie any way you shake it. <laughs> no, not like, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, guys, how did you guys watch these uh, these two versions? I watched the theatrical version first, and then I watched the Ultimate Edition. I did that, and then I went back and had to watch the theatrical version again, because I, st- I just started to get internally confused about what was in what, because the Ultimate Edition also reorders a lot of things. Yeah. Like So a lot of footage that you do see in both versions, they're in wildly different places. So I just started to get fuddled. So I, it was kind of like a Ultimate Edition sandwich. Mm. Mm. Amen. And you watched it, I believe, in the reverse order? Yeah, I watched the Ultimate first and then the theatrical. And was that like a mindfuck? <laughs> it was. It was a little bit of a mindfuck, because then I was like, wow, the Ultimate Edition is a lot better, and that's... I hated the Ultimate Edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's interesting that like you probably had a worse reaction. I found watching the Ultimate Edition, I was like, at every scene change and every special effect and every line change they had, I was like, oh, that makes this so much better. Like yeah. I came yeah. away being like pretty positive. Like They did a very good job fixing a lot of stuff, Like because a lot of things were just like contradicting my notes. Like I have all these questions in my notes watching the original movie, right? and it's like those questions are answered in the ultimate edition because mm. like the ordering of the scenes fixes stuff yeah and so i came away thinking the ultimate edition was like pretty okay i think uh, i had a similar experience but i think watching it first you'd probably be like wow this is really terrible on its own yep. and then because then there's nowhere to go but down yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's hard to imagine it being worse <laughs> until you see it yeah is it fair to say that if you're gonna watch both of these watch the theatrical version first then watch the ultimate edition it's hard yeah. or if you're only gonna watch one watch the ultimate edition yeah i I feel like that the fair comment i and i would say the purpose of watching this movie like if you're a diehard highlander fan and you're like well what was this thing they tried to do and you're really kind of interested in what story they wanted to tell definitely watch the ultimate edition but if you want to watch this like just for shits and giggles to be like i want to watch a bad movie and you know i know this is a train wreck then watch the theatrical one because like it's definitely more of a train wreck like you'll get more laughs i think out of the uh the original cut i kind of agree with that both of these movies are like bad but they're like in that weird nether region of bad (laughs) they're almost not bad enough to be like genuinely enjoyable at parts it takes itself like a little too seriously yeah weird well i actually i was gonna ask you guys this well highlander we're all connoisseurs of bad movies like we we all unapologetically love some bad movies, like some Killing American style, like Serve It Up. The Room, all that good stuff. Yeah. And this is like, it's bad, to be clear. I don't know that I was like getting cut up by a lot of this stuff. Yeah, like I find I watch Samurai Cop almost every year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would not watch this movie every year. No. Maybe if I was like hammered with a group of friends, yeah. that would be different. But Are know. there any, I was thinking about this, are there any like bad movies you like like? And I don't mean like bad movies like The Room or something or Plan 9 from Outer Space, but like movies that are genuinely disliked by the population or the critics that you just like want to go back that you, I don't know, have an affinity for. I think last week we talked a little about Hook. Oh, yeah. Uh, it has been a while since I've seen it. I love uh, Hook. A lot of people really hate it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I watched Hook like last year and I was surprised how bad it was. Or how bad I thought it was. But I, I really liked it when I was a kid. Hmm. This actually made me think of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Oh, boy. Uh, when I was a kid, I really liked Batman Forever. And then I saw Batman Forever or Batman and Robin with my dad in the theater. Good God. And I was, like, kind of too old to do this. But, like, I was so mad when I left Batman and Robin. I was, like, crying because <laughs> I was so excited to see it. And it was so awful. Huh. But now that I'm older, I think Batman and Robin is the better movie. Really? Because it's that it sticks is... 
to its like it sticks to what it is, which is like which is what a campy like Adam West version of Batman set in like a today. neon gothic universe. Yeah. I don't know. It, that movie has an identity crisis. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Batman Forever has an identity crisis. Batman and <laughs> Batman Forever. <laughs> Batman Forever is a half Tim Burton movie, half Joel Schumacher movie. Batman and Robin is totally joel schumacher they play it to the hilt like batman fights hockey players like mr freeze is <laughs> yeah. ridiculous like damon do you know who killed the what killed the dinosaurs what's that the ice age uh. <laughs> so like that's like kind of a bad movie that i've grown to appreciate huh. because it's like it stays committed to what it's trying to do mm. whereas batman forever is like still tim burtony enough but sort of also joel schumachery which creates this weird juxtaposition yeah i, f- I feel like other i don't say bad movies just people people they don't like these movies i like the matrix sequels a lot of people oh, really <laughs> i really like the whole matrix trilogy top to bottom the third one yeah I do. Ugh. It's my least favorite. I really like the second one. Yeah, I don't know. That's one of those movies that, for some reason, I'm into it. And also, not a movie. I really like the Sonic the Hedgehog games. Through and through. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, all that's a good follow-up. Kind of, like, it's the sort of thing, like... Like what, the battle for the werehog? <laughs> like Highlander. Oh, yeah. It's like, if they release a new Highlander movie, I'm getting it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I gotta see... Because I love the concept so much. I love the whole world. It's like, oh, man, like, I got to see Highlander 2. I got to see Highlander 3. There's a Highlander 3? Like, I know 2 was terrible. Maybe 3 is going to be okay. Oh, there's a fourth one? Like, the other ones weren't too hot. I'm still on this train. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm that way with Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, there's You're a- always on that train? Yeah, it's like, new Sonic game? Sign me up. Like, I'm ready uh, to go. That's how I'm approaching it. Kyle, what do you got? I don't know. The thing that kept coming to mind is I fucking love Street Fighter. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I like, legitimately like it. Oh, I mean, because it's a I, bad movie. Like, it is a bad movie. I could watch that movie anytime, though. <laughs> it just kills me. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, I love that. That's so, Raul Julia's performance in that movie is just spectacular. Also, like, you came here expecting <laughs> to find a man, and instead you found, found a god. A god? <laughs> <laughs> also, there's no street fighting in that movie. Not a bit. Zilch. Actually, no. There's a little bit of street fighting in the beginning. There's like a cage fight. Which is interrupted by Guile crashing, crashing through through. In, a, in a tank. Yeah. <laughs> also, the only American character in the movie is played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Very and there's good. a stealth boat. I don't know. Something about that movie. It's great. It works for me. I don't I, know why. I saw that in the movie theater with my dad after my mom forbade me to see it. <laughs> why? Because there's too much street fighting? Yeah, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> I think she thought it was Mortal Kombat. This is the one where you Hadouken. Yeah. <laughs> mom... <laughs> Keith, I am a diehard Highlander fan. I love Highlander so much, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, de facto, because I'm a member of it. How can I show my support and get some really cool shit in the process? Oh, there is one really great way you can support this podcast and support your love of Highlander by heading on over to our Facebook page and picking up a set of our awesome new Highlander magnets, uh, which are available for the price of $25 plus shipping and handling. What do you get for that amazing price? It's an awesome collection of five magnets featuring all your favorite characters. We've got Duncan McCloud, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a really cool alternate 1600 Scottish Highlands McCloud. Awesome. Eamon, who made these things? Like, what awesome artist somewhere made these things? It was me. Yay! I made them with the help of you guys and Davis Panzer Productions. 
definitely. These are fully authorized Highlander merchandise from the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you're an international listener, we can ship these internationally now. Uh, so don't buy them from our Facebook page, but head over to Etsy.com and just search for Highlander Rewatch. And if you place your order through Etsy, we can ship anywhere in the world. Well, I pretty much wherever Etsy can ship, wherever FedEx or whoever's going to ship it can ship. We can't we can- ship to the planet Zeist. Nope. Though. No shipping to Zeist. <laughs> All right, we definitely have to get into this movie now. So, because it's been 42 minutes. <laughs> how does this movie open? We open on a red screen. It's August 1999. And then they party like it's 1999. 1999. Uh, so, there's a like voiceover talking about what's going on in the future. Should we listen to like this? This is what sets the stage for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. No one ever knew we were among you <laughs> until now. Until now. This one is not recorded in a bathroom, so far as I can tell. Good morning. Today's top story is the ozone layer. It continues to disintegrate, taking with it our protection from the sun's rays. The White House today declared a state of national emergency. The president urged all Americans to take the ozone In Africa, where shelter from the sun is almost non-existent, the dead and dying number in the millions. So. The sun is murdering people. And we're this is, this is like an M Night Shyamalan movie. And we get this big shot of like all these people in hospital beds dying. Only a few months now until the ozone layer is completely Solar gone. Solar radiation. A team of international scientists led by Dr. Alan Naiman and supervised by Connor McLeod work around the clock. And this yeah. may be the last so, chance for planet Earth. So to be clear, in the original movie, he was like a barbarian turned antiques dealer. And now he is apparently supervising a team of scientists that are planning to build a shield to prevent solar radiation from killing people. And they all wear goofy goggles and like but none of them like are wearing the goggles. They they're, all have they just to are hold holding them up. Do they not fit? What's going on here? <laughs> they just think they're all being cool. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm just gonna be like hold it up and be real cool like. And McLeod is with this Alan Naiman guy and they're hugging in this whole scene. <laughs> this yeah, is out. constantly patting each other on the back. The they, bromance is strong. They like walk to like the little opening in the base, like hugging each other. <laughs> like they're holding each other as they walk. To, I was like, what? She just is, super glued together. Yeah. What is this? This so, is insane. <laughs> it's a bond of science, bro. So they're about to light it up. Light it, it up. They're going to light up these. They can spark the this, shield. The shield thing. So yeah. in the voiceover, it says the power stations from around the world they're ready to receive like we're ready to receive their power yeah so i guess these power stations from everywhere are going to send their power to this thing they're going to turn it on uh so they're like in this a bunker a bunker a bomb bunker look at this a bunker uh and so they put on these goggles for these things this things to, to like light up and I, the yeah. whole time i was thinking it's like hold on does everyone in the whole world need to put on goggles because i feel like everyone is blinded right now like yeah why well, are they staring at the actual shield generator i, I think guess the, isn't the shield generator in the middle of the city I, it's hard to tell uh, it's hard to tell right that's a problem <laughs> because this... why would there be a bunker in the middle of the city yeah. i don't know why do they need to be in a bunker in case it explodes i don't know i don't know oh, yeah maybe that's it also, you keep on saying a bunker. Are we talking about Archie Bunker? Yeah, that's it. it is. That's actually <laughs> this entire podcast is about Archie Bunker. Yeah. So. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise! Can we talk a little bit about ozone depletion? No. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 
So I was just thinking about this because, like, ozone depletion is not really something we talk about anymore. It used to be a big deal, like, I guess in the 90s. Well, yeah, this is yeah. it's a fairly topical thing for this movie to cover, I guess. Like, yeah. ish. Well, this is when all those laws, I feel like, were being passed. Like, I remember being a young kid in, like, kindergarten and first grade, like, when this movie came out. And, like, us having, like, lessons about, hey, aerosol cans are bad and, like... If you're going to buy aerosol, make sure to look on the back of the thing to make sure it uses, like, you know, the right chemicals. No CFCs. Yeah. Because chlorofluorocarbons are the main... Right, and I don't think that, most of that stuff exists in a lot of our products anymore. It essentially doesn't. Right. Like, and most of it was, like, the a huge portion of it was made illegal in, like, 1985. Okay. Like, by, like, a multi-nation compact. So it's, like, the mm. Vienna Compact. So, like, this problem was already being, like, it was, like, well on its way to being fixed. Like, they think with the laws currently in place, like, by, like, 2060, we'll be, like, pre-80s level of hmm. ozone depletion. So it's just kind of funny that, like, this is a problem that's, like, I'm not going to go as so far as to say it's been solved, but, like, this entire movie, which essentially takes place in our past now, <laughs> is about a problem that no longer exists because people just, like, fucking stopped using hairspray. From my own recollections of my youth, I still feel like the recycling movement, like Earth Day was a big thing, but I don't know. Or maybe that it was a leftover thing, like mm. that our Earth Day stuff dealt with a lot of these issues as well. Yeah, sure. I, Earth, yeah. I still remember hearing about ozone stuff, like, in t- into the late 90s. Yeah. Like, 1985, I was one. <laughs> right. And I don't have this, that good a memory. I was negative three, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Why is this your idea for a sequel to Highlander? This, like, science... Fictiony ozone shield thing. Good question. Including, well, like we haven't even been introduced to the alien thing. But yeah. it's one of those things that like, why is this movie in the future? That alien plot, why isn't that just in nineteen eighty eight? Right. Like you could have that plot at any point. Yeah. At literally any point. Yeah, and it would be okay. Like it does not like we're getting too complicated. Like this right. is when sci fi or fantasy movies start to like just mishmash stuff. It's like, oh, like uh, the suspension of disbelief that they're immortal. That's a big thing. And it's like, okay, I'm with you. It's like, oh, but they're also like, it's also a sci-fi thing. Oh, okay. And it's also like an environmental movie. It's like, oh, uh, like, uh, uh, okay. Like, what <laughs> yeah. is the, what is this movie about? Whereas, like Highlander was like a noir movie and a fantasy movie and maybe a science fiction movie. No, I don't even think the sci- I don't even think I don't the sci-fi think, comes in. Like yeah. noir. I'd say fantasy. noir fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And the noir elements just come about like, by the way, it's like film. It's like, like just it's stylistic. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, which I mean, is great. Which helps gave like, that movie which so helps, much like, character. The, the... Yeah. yeah. This is getting into a bigger discussion, but I feel like that's a problem with all the subsequent Highlander movies is like they all become science fiction movies in a way. In a huge way. Yeah. And I'm like, that was never like really the core. Yeah. Like all these goofy technological characters and alien planets. It's like already it's just like, what? Like, right. This is kind of weird. Guys, I mean, obviously, he's the Highlander because he's from the Scottish Highlands. Um, mm. How much Scottish Highlands do we see in this movie? <laughs> Zero? Yes. Zilch? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so I have a couple questions about this, like, shield scene. Because as mm. we eventually see in the future, everything's dark. I had questions. Is the shield blocking out the sun? Because in, so- in some scenes of the movie and dialogue, I feel like that's what's going on. But then in other scenarios, I feel like they are hyping up this, like, it's drained, like, the world's power is going to this. So I'm like, oh, is the world dark because, like, we don't have enough electricity? Like, it's just dark because there's no lights anymore. There's a scene where Sean Connery's in Scotland, and it looks like it's daytime. Yes, and I can't tell if that's... Intentional or just yeah. error? <laughs> yeah. But every... also, Scotland looks pretty nice, by the way, compared to whatever city this is. Yeah. It's bizarre. 
It's super bizarre. Bizarre. How bizarre. All right, so the shield activates. We've saved the planet. They'll remember this day for a thousand years. 25 years later. No. Right. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess, oh, we should talk about the very first difference in the other cut is this opening is non-existent in the... We get like directors. Yeah, we get like in the first Highlander, we get like a longer text, not a scroll, but like text on the screen. Yeah. Saying it's 2024 and there's a shield and a small group believes the shield isn't needed. And then we're at an opera. (laughs) Right. So this basically cuts forward to where the opening credits in the original movie start. Like there's like a a big uh, like pre-credit sequence, I guess, in the theatrical cut. And yeah, it does not need to be there at all. Nope. Nope. (laughs) So anyway, we're 25 years later and Connor is driving around. Old man Connor. Old man Connor. At this point, he has not discovered his old man voice and is still using a relatively normal speaking (laughs) voice. He sounds much like himself. Yeah. His accent in this entire movie is great. (laughs) (laughs) It's glorious. I want to bring up his age real quick. Connor McLeod. Well, he's immortal, right? Yeah. Well, (laughs) no. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. So he's an old man. So he's aged, I guess, after the first movie. He's given up his mortality. So following the events of the first movie, he was supposed to be 18 years old when he died. Uh, granted, that's pretty young. I mean, Christopher Lambert did not look 18 no. in that movie. But let's let's go by that and say he was supposed to be 18. Then this movie starts in 1999. Mm-hmm. So when he creates the shield, he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And then 25 years later after that, in 2024, he will be 57. He talks like this. <laughs> yeah, and he it's looks like, 80. Yeah, he looks he's so hobbling old. around. Yeah. Like, he looks like a nutty professor character. He looks <laughs> like Eddie Murphy's best character. Eddie Murphy's best character. Nutter, nutty Professor the Clumps. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, it's like, this is like Lambert's like Eddie Murphy role. Actually, Lambert, all those IMD credits we read before are lies. Lambert plays every character in yeah. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> in various degrees of makeup. He looks like Vigo from. Uh, Ghostbusters 2 also. <laughs> yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Guys, only a Carpathian yeah. would choose now and choose Argentina. <laughs> Carpathian 2, the Carpathianing. I don't know. <laughs> so Connor is in his VO. He's like, 25 years ago, it was our savior. No, no sun, no stars. Ugh. It drains the energy from the whole world. We're going backwards. And uh, so he's looking out the window and we see scenes of like, I guess, terribleness. Yeah. Right? Like there's homeless people. Right. There's got there's a bunch of guys huddled around this weird machine, like sucking something in. I couldn't figure that out until until until, until the, the yeah, the special edition, right? Yeah, like expounds yeah. on that and it's like an oxygen machine. Yeah, because yeah. it's actually the movie Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah. And he has the can of fresh can air. Of air. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this this oxygen machine, like that raises all sorts of like I don't know like, what why? is going like, on in this world. Like Are they supposed to establish that like you have to pay for oxygen? I don't know. Which doesn't make sense because they're all breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Or that's like the good stuff. And it comes out of like a dirty gas station pump. It it looks like a Dalek. (laughs) (laughs) Just put your mouth on that. And Uh, and one of the scenes that was cut in the American version that's expounded upon in the special edition is like all this depravity and terribleness he sees. (sighs) Is there is another instance of sexual assault. Yeah, Yeah. they they, they felt the need to. It wasn't in the first movie. They had to insert it into the recut. We right. really need to get this scene in the movie. Yeah, there's like some pre- passed out woman being like fondled by like a vagrant. Yeah, and it's like and like boobs are out and everything. Yeah, it's, it's like really real random. And yeah, 
So strange. No need for that. And also, that. Connor doesn't, like, stop to help. <laughs> He's <laughs> yes, just driving by. He just like, drives by. He just drives by and it's like, Neh. So I have another question about this bizarre world they're setting up. So Connor also We're world says, building. Yeah, yeah. He says as they're driving around, he's like, there's old cars, old planes, like, and I'm like, why? why? Like, this, this movie, again, has this bizarre identity crisis, and they've given it this, like, retro feel, yeah. I think just because of Tim Burton's Batman. Batman. Absolutely. Also, yeah. That's what we're, we're going to talk about time. later. Like, I All feel like this movie statues. has no voice to itself and is purely a bunch of cobbled together influences from other stuff. And I feel like this retro thing is this attempt at doing kind of like a Tim Burton noir. Like Anton First's Gotham City yeah. designs, like aping that. But yeah, it's like old cars, old planes. And it's like, again, I was like, why? Is I it think, like. I think he, in the context of the movie, we're supposed to believe it's because the shield cannibalizes so much of the Earth's resources, it's like locked it in time. I have that written down as well. It's like, maybe we're not making new cars or anything, but it's like, yeah. why are all the cars from the 40s? Why aren't all the cars from the from 80s? 80s. <laughs> like, right. like it's, it still doesn't make sense in that respect. It's but like, why even mention it? It's just like, I know. that's the aesthetic of this movie. All the cars look like this the planes look like this just because like i guess yeah nobody cares in in batman that doesn't make any sense why any like everybody still wears hats it's 19 like 80 there's like kind of computers in yeah. batman but i think it works great because it gives it this weird other it's like i don't know what time it is ever right like it's maybe it's in the 40s maybe it's fine. in 1995 yeah, yeah. so it, just don't bring it up yeah like, <laughs> yeah that's actually the deleted scene from the original batman yeah. Knox and Vicky Vale have a long conversation about the aesthetic of Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> well, we still wear hats because of the ozone depletion. And <laughs> this movie should have been called uh, Highlander 2, Don't Bring It Up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so then a TV comes on in the car. It's for more exposition. Yeah, so it's like let's the entire play movie to now has been exposition also it's been an hour and we've talked about two minutes of this movie so like okay okay good evening and welcome to tsc's nightly report today the shield corporation the world's largest private company was accused of monopoly and price fixing alan Naiman, president of tsc was unavailable for comment at its regular monthly report the shield corporation announced record profits for its fiscal year in november 2024 and now for the weather. The temperature 97, with humidity constant at 97. No rain, no clouds, no thunder, no lightning, no nothing. As usual, under the shield. So, so <laughs> the shield is just like prevented all weather, I guess. Is that? I don't know if that's how that can work. But it's humid under the shield, apparently. Can you really have, like, the planet Earth without rain? No! I don't <laughs> think so. I'm pretty sure the entire Earth dies, but, yeah. like... <laughs> this doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I guess whatever. The don't big idea is there's it. a shield. <laughs> right. I, I like the fact that they give a weather report, by the way. Well, why would they... And, be... he, and he's like, same as it every, is every day. It's like, then why are you talking yeah, about why, it? Like... Why say this? <laughs> just, it's just a reminder of how shitty your existence yeah. is. Yeah. You're bad and you should feel bad. This yeah. is the weather report. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Connor has a TV in his car, so... That's this really cool. is the future. Yeah. Which he's watching as driving. <laughs> he drives, he's yeah, driving. So which is it? Is it the future or isn't it? <laughs> Have we stopped making cars? Because, like, I don't remember those TV cars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess Alan is the president of TSC. The, the Shields Corp. Corp. Mm -hmm. Terrible, 
terrible, terrible. But I guess he's unavailable for comment because they're accused of price gouging. Price fixing. Oh, price fixing. Okay. Which I have a lot of questions about. Talk to me. So how can you be accused of price fixing if you have no competitors? Right. The entire point of price fixing is that you're engaged in collusive behavior to fix the price, basically to agree with your competitors that we will charge X amount such that it's like an anti-competitive scheme that defrauds consumers because normally competition would force the price down and you just agree that you're not going to allow that to happen. Mm. That's the point of like price fixing and antitrust stuff. Is there like another shield corp down the street and they like all shook hands and were like, you know what guys, let's not charge for the shield anymore. <laughs> like let's, uh, let's stop undercutting each other. Like you'll just control the Argentinian market. I'll just control the North American market and it'll all be copacetic. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not also, correct. Also, can you turn off like, parts of the shield like what if they don't pay like okay we're gonna turn off this part of the shield over like your part of the planet that doesn't make sense i want to get into how the shield turns off later because i have a lot of questions about that too yeah Uh, i also have a question that like alan Naiman they say is the president of shield corp it's like i thought he was just like a scientist and i guess he's now like a big wig okay that's fine i guess I've, i'm left with big questions about like why isn't mcleod involved anymore mcleod was the alan's boss. he was supervising it yeah yeah i don't i don't oh, know i think alan was the the head of it alan's the lead scientist but oh. supervised by connor mcleod i don't i don't know it's just kind of weird it's like alan's still involved but connor isn't for some reason i guess okay which isn't explained. Right. <laughs> also, yet more questions. Why is this organized into a corporation? Why is this a private entity doing this? Why wouldn't, like, the government be running, of somewhere, be running this thing? How did any private funding entity, like, come up with the money to fund something like this? Like, there's a reason why, like, all these utilities are, like... I... No... I'm baffled by this. And I think it's just like another like generic sci-fi theme of like, oh, in the future, corporations run wild, which is like, you know, your generic, Mm. right, like steampunk, well, not steampunky, like cyberpunky ghost in a shell kind of plot. Yeah. That would be kicking around in this time. But it's just like, this is not an enterprise that would have been taken on by a private industry. It just wouldn't be. Yeah. And all also, these... like, the the world governments wouldn't just, like, not test for things. It's just bizarre. It's so yeah. strange. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like this is, like, a money-making venture unless they can, like, turn off parts of the shield. If it takes the energy from all over the world and they're a private company, how are they getting it? Does that mean that there's a whole separate system of, like, private power companies? Like, that I means, guess. like, Pico and PGW and all these companies still exist and I guess are selling their energy to the Shield Corp, who then turns around and sells Shield services to the rest of the world. Like, yeah, maybe. Or is it just all like, a, <laughs> yeah. or is it all just a massive anti-competitive, vertically integrated scheme where they control all energy production on the Earth? I don't know, but that's insane. Kyle, you bring up a good point about like how, like, why wouldn't the government run this? I didn't think about that. Uh, it's funny that you you thought of it, but uh, but I <laughs> it's mean, like, why you keep this, me around? This movie is full of these sort of moments, and well, I like, feel like I feel like with any of these things, like the the right answer, maybe not the right answer, is like, well, it's just a movie, right? Fine, but like, there's you can't two, go to that well that often. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing is like, there's so many tiny little things that are like head scratchers in this movie. It's like, oh, wait, what? And it's like those all come together, and it's like you kind of just can't say. That's just a movie because at every turn, ah, you don't know what to make of this. Well, it's not Highlander. When I think of Highlander, I don't want to think about like, (laughs) where's the government? (laughs) (laughs) And there is no government in this movie aside from the mention of the president in the opening scene. Right. Like, 
there's no government presence or like we there, see some there, cop cars. There's some cop cars that get blown up. Yeah, that's <laughs> but then it. like the Shield Corporation also operates its a own prison, prison and yeah. it has its own private security force. The Mighty Max Prison. That's right. So, guys, we have made it pretty <laughs> not very far into this movie, uh, but time is running out for this episode. Uh, mm. We obviously have a lot more to say. How many parts do you, do you guys do? You want to do an over under right now Ugh. on how many you think we're gonna get? <laughs> At this rate, all right, six. I'm I'm going with six. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> uh, I created to be on the safe side templates for eight episodes. Oh. Amen. I'm going to say seven. Wow. We'll see. No no one was going less than six. Wow. I know when we were planning on this, we were like, this, this won't be more be than two three. episodes. <laughs> two <Yeah>. episodes. <laughs> There's just so much like, what? Stuff to unpack. Yeah. And it's really just a question of how much do we want to unpack any of it. Well, guys, we usually like to play a little game on this show. So I think it's time for game time. Time what, what, for game what, what time. What All right, so welcome to our game portion, and we're going to play It's a Kind of Clue. So, Kyle and Eamon, you're going head-to-head in this. I'm going to give you each a stack of cards which have a bad sequel on it. Ooh. So, we're, we're this, this game is themed for bad sequels, uh, and you need to get the other person to guess the name of that bad sequel. Uh, the rules are, though, you cannot tell them the movie that it's a sequel to. Uh, so if it's Back to the Future 2, well, which is not a bad sequel, it's a great sequel, uh, the clue cannot be sequel to Back to the Future 1. That is not allowed. You have to describe the movie or people in it or the plot or whatever it is. So you're going to have uh, one minute to do this. There's going to be five clues. And you're trying to get the sequel or the original? The sequel. You're trying to guess what the name is on the card, which are all bad sequels. Gotcha. Okay, and so you're going to try to get Eamon to guess. Okay. On your mark. Gets it. Go. Keanu Reeves movie. He had to make a bus go really fast. Major reloaded. Speed 2. Cruise that- control. Uh, okay. He swings. He's a superhero. Fights Doc Ock. Uh, Spider-Man 2. The other one. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, no, the, the worst sequel in that trilogy. Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Oh, God. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Uh, Saturday yeah. Night Fever 2. Uh, right. Go, hmm, lightning, hana, 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 Grease 2. Uh, okay, another superhero movie. Or just a kryptonite. Superman Returns. Superman 2. Of the original uh, Chris Reeve ones. Uh, Superman 2? Uh, There's only the so many numbers. Piece. You've Superman got the right three? tagline, but the wrong number. 4, 5. Superman 5. Superman nope, four. before that. Superman 4. <laughs> what's the tagline? Uh, the Quest for Peace. There you go. Damn. <laughs> Did I make it? You got them all under the wire, and we got to nice. get rid of this cat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eamon, you are up. Oh, boy. Get the clock ready. All right. Ready, set. Go. Uh, there's a snake with an eye patch and anaconda. He, he's too? escape. Uh, does that count? Did I ruin it? Um, he's running oh, away. Escape from, from LA. Yes. Uh, 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 Sheila Labouf is this guy's son, and there is a skull. I fucked up again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, an explorer, an archaeologist. Oh, is, uh, uh, Indiana Jones four. Yes. Crystal skull. Yes. Uh, I was just talking about this. I like this more than this movie forever. Uh, oh, Batman I and Robin. Up again, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> John Belushi uh, is not in this movie. Blues Brothers 2? Yes. Blues Brothers uh, in the year... 2000? Yes. Congratulations, guys. Isn't there one more? No. Oh, is there? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
I could see it. Uh, this one has Jamie Kennedy in it. Uh, and he's the son of Jim Carrey. Uh, Liar. And he puts on Dumb a... Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> he puts something on his face and it makes him wacky and magical. Oh, Mask too, Son of the Mask? Yes. Okay. This is a game that legitimately neither person can really win. But, but definitely... definitively, Eamon lost. <laughs> Eamon, I think you said the name of the title in almost every single one I of your I didn't say clues. the name of the title. I just said part of the name of the yes. title. Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> think that's fair. Like, there's a skull. Oops. <laughs> he puts on a mask. Oops. I didn't say mask. Oh, I thought you did. No, I said something on Oh, you said face. he's the son of someone. I said... You just said he's the son of someone. Yeah. Oh, I did say that. Damn it. God damn it sorry very I good suck. guys uh, <laughs> yeah so we'll I, definitely, I definitely won that one <laughs> uh so everyone out there make sure to stay tuned next week we're going to be really getting into highlander 2 uh we've only just scratched the surface in basically like the teaser first reel of this movie this is That's like a right. little strip tease exactly yeah. uh but we got lots to talk about because we haven't even journeyed to the planet zeist yet and Zeist. i can't wait free men of the planet zeist hear me <laughs> free men of the planet Hear me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Stay tuned next week. I've been one of your rewatchers. This is Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye bye. Bye. Shithead. (laughs) Fashion head. That joke will pay off if you hang around for us people. (laughs)